Hey, what's good? Welcome to Pinocchio by Oselu. Um, this is a podcast where I have sit-downs, chit-chat with people that I like and admire from any and everywhere, and we just talk about stuff. Um, we're not giving prescriptions, we're not giving advice, we're not helping you do anything or make any decision. We're just having a good time and having a nice. Um, if you seek advice, if you seek prescriptions, and if you want help, I don't think this podcast is for you. But if you are down to have a nice and just have a good time listening to two people talk, then I think you're in the right place. Indulge. Hi. Um, on this episode, episode two of Pinocchio, I had to sit down a chit chat with um, someone I admire a lot um, on a lot of levels. Not only do we share the same surname, um, I think I think we probably are like related on some great 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 grandfather P, you know. Besides that, he's someone that I admire a lot, and um, I enjoyed having him on the podcast. He's an illustrator, or he used to be an illustrator. I think he still illustrates. Uh, a digital marketer, also he writes. Um, he has even doubled in animation at some point, and at the moment he is a software programmer. Uh, software developer. I don't know which one is even correct now. But um, yeah. Um, Justin Rabo, aka Mugwei, aka the Wonder Kind. I enjoyed having him on the podcast because, aside it's being like, oh, it's really cool to have someone I l- admire so much on. It was quite educative for me because I had to listen and take notes and learn. And even after recording, I listen to the podcast time and again to really like take notes of like the gems and the jewelry jobs in between everything we were talking about. So I do hope you listen and you enjoy as much as I did. So yeah, indulge. Hello. Yeah, let me know if my sound is great. Cause... Yeah, it's great. It's great. I can hear you. Hi. Yeah. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Well, uh, thank you so much for being here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. No worries. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really gassed, and I'm trying not to be a groupie now, so I don't make it weird for you. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> um, I think we should start from. I don't know if you remember, um, I think you may, may not remember, but I, I've met you in real life once. Uh, Yaba, there's this shower joint. At this mall, I can't remember the name of the place because it's like a year ago. I, see. I was a friend, I met you. I, I was just okay. ready. I was just like, hey, Justin, hi, hi. And I think you, you were weirded out by my reaction. Like, the way you looked at me, like, bro. Yeah, I remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I and remember. I, yeah. yeah. I quickly read the room and I'm like, oh, okay, let me just speak in because I obviously was. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah, it was um, beside yeah. that, that, that university of Suya. Yeah, 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 that place, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I remember, you know. Yeah. Anyways, I didn't, I didn't really know how to handle saying you. Anyway. Anyways, um, so I think we should start from music because I saw you tweet something about Joko. I wanted to really confirm, like, I, do you like Joko or do you not like Joko? What do you think? I think you don't like your cool. <laughs> and I feel bad in advance. 
<laughs> I do like Jaco. Jaco is one of my favorite artists. Oh, okay. It's just, it's just, it's just. Um, so I generally get the feeling that most people who like things mm-hmm. tend to be liking something means you can be critical, but. Everything I like, I'm super critical of. I don't think there's anything I like 100%. Like, uh, I, I, am, I find it more enriching to, to find the flaws in things that I like. Like, it feels very authentic, you know? Like, nothing is perfect, right? But I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like anything I like is just so great. It's impervious to criticism. And, and so, yeah, in the past, I have criticized J. Cole, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean you know, one of my favorite artists, right? Uh, I, really, I, really, I really like J. Cole. Um, oh, okay. And, and I've liked him since 20, 2015 or so. So maybe five, six years. Yeah. So yeah, like, yeah, I, I qualify as a fan. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's cool to hear because I like Jekyll also. But I like, <laughs> I, I think the part of you saying that um, things that we like is great that we criticize. I think, I think it's something that I would, I would really sit on and think about because for me, yeah, it's a thing for me. Like in, in my family group chat, now I'm like I'm a Bonner fan of my family group chat. And yeah, most of my, my siblings and my cousins are like whiskey fans. Yeah, so it's always me versus them, sort of. So what we're having conversations most of the time is banter because everybody's trying to get under everyone's skin. Yeah, I'm always on the Bonner thing, and even when Bonner was having it, um, different um, controversies like how we tweet and all that, I was always finding yeah. myself defending him because I've already. It, Maybe I've created, I've sort of created like a, oh, I'm a Bonner fan regardless. Then it yeah. now seems as if I'm trying to defend my previous takes time yeah. and time and time again. And in my head, I know I'm on some bullshit, so, but because I really want to give. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. No, but, but, but sometimes it, it, it is fun to be on that bullshit. Sometimes like okay. I, mindlessly, I mindlessly defend people even when I know yeah. that, that, you know, this other person might have a point. Like my yeah. artist or my... My my faith might not yeah. be as amazing as I say, but sometimes yeah. it's fun. So basically, you should just be honest with yourself. Like whenever yes. you're doing anything, like you know, like when you're standing someone, you know that yeah. this is what you are doing. You're being you're being you're being very yeah. uh, dishonest with your with your with your fan service, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like if you do that, then I mean, it's great. Yeah. Right? So yeah, like, I don't have a problem with anybody like with you like being like. An insane or intense <laughs> yeah. fan, as long as you know that's what you're being. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm a very, I'm very aware. Even sometimes I go apologize that I know I'm, I'm being hypocritical. I know. I think it's yeah. even the thing I started doing. You know, I just acknowledge ahead of the time that I'm being biased by what I'm saying. I'm aware. I'm being hypocritical, yeah. but just this is what I think. But it's hypocritical, but this is why I started. I'd rather just be honest about hypocrisy than like being the middle. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it applies to everything, but most of the time, I like to know where people stand on things. Like, are you on the yeah. left or on the right? It helps. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. Um, yeah. So I wanted to ask, um, there is a, I think I became very active on Twitter, like 2016-ish, 2017. Uh, okay. I can't remember how I got to see your account. I think it's a wrap to Twitter now, but there is an air of mystery around your Twitter. Like, I don't know if it's intentional, but it's how I like that's how I see it. Yeah. Like yeah. let's assume that if you wanted to like kidnap um, Justin now, yeah. Yeah. The information you put out, it would be fucking difficult. But I I don't know, can I swear with you? Uh, I mean you can. This is a free country. 
cool, cool. Um, like it will be very difficult to like put a pin on Justin because today you just be teaching, at least we just teaching about like stuff about programming and what you're learning. We just switch it up, but like there is really. So I want to ask: Is it like an intentional thing for you, or you just you just do it like it's just um how you are like that mysterious? There's a mysterious God come out about how you move on to that. Is that a, an intentional thing? Uh, actually, I I do not think I'm mysterious at all. Like it's one of the things oh. I I wish I was, but I'm not. Like okay. I tend to I tend to, for example, like. Most people knew I lived in Shomolu when I lived in Shomolu. Most people know now I live in Yaba, right? I am very, I am, I'm not even that privacy conscious, and I should be, okay. given everything about how dangerous the internet is. So yeah, yeah. I, I, can't, I can't help myself most of the time. But, but what you're speaking to is, um, is just a reflection of my interests. So I have, okay. I would say that maybe I am interested in a lot of things. And and that tends to reflect on the, the way I tweet. It's just like it's just a barrage of information, and most people think that it's done is done deliberately. You know, okay. I'm trying to I'm trying to create this enigmatic air, but I don't have yeah. any. I am never that deliberate, unfortunately. I don't have <laughs> no, nothing I do is designed. It's, it's a happy accident. Um, yeah. I, I I want to you know I want to lean in on that persona and be like, oh, I am mysterious, but I'm not. You know. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm just somebody who is interested in a lot of things and who likes to share the things he's interested in. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that it tends to change on a day by day basis. But I'm not yeah. trying to throw anybody off my scent. I don't have a scent really. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> and, and this and this leads to is another question I want to ask because um, I I think I've I spoken to friends about like people that I admire. Yeah, I I, I use them as anecdotes for like stories I'm trying to tell people. Yeah. And you're one of those people because I, I always, as I, the older I got, I stopped putting people on pedestals because I started seeing like people that I admire being like, oh, yes, on some bullshit on some level. So Justin yeah. is one of those people, or I'm, I'm talking about in now, like just one of those people that I can tell that you do not want people to put you, I, I can even tell that you don't even take yourself as serious as people will take you. I can tell yes. that. I may be wrong now, but this is my perception. This is how I see it. I can tell that you do not want people to, people to put you on any pedestal in any form. You are just like, let me just live my life. Let me just do my thing. Because sometimes I could see you in some spaces and people are like, Justin, Justin, Justin. And tomorrow, Justin just posts an MI video where he's just vibing to an MI song. And he's just being himself. Then next morning, he puts a filter on the video and he's just having a good time. And that is really, really advanced. <laughs> it's just really, really different from... Because I think the, the space you are in, in terms of how, you, how far you've gone with your career, yeah? There's a way people like that behave. There's a way people like that move. And I think you are like, like the antithesis of that. You are like different from that. And I, I really vibe with that on a very, because I see, I see that you just, you've chosen to do your thing the way you want. And I admire that. And I really aspire to be that. Like, can I just be myself however I want? If you really like, like fuck with that, fine. But let me just do my thing. And I want to ask, like, what, what are your thoughts on like, pedestals and you not wanting to be on any and just having a good time however you want yeah so so it's funny you should mention mi um yeah because 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 i met him um like we, we hung out once right and okay 
and and when I was talking to him, because because basically we're doing like a an introductory round because mm-hmm. we're we at his and 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 he was asking me about my my life. And so I I I gave him like a basic summary of my career. Yeah. And his his response was that you don't tweet like someone who has this career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he told me I, I, I tweet like an emo kid yeah. who's really, really deep into his feels, thinking about life. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, I think we should all be emo kids deep in our feels. <laughs> like life is so complex that that the measure of a man cannot only like primarily be his career, you know. Yeah. I find I find that ridiculously stifling and rather like reductive and boring. That mm-hmm. that the, the complete measure of me is like the things I've done professionally. But I have more interest beyond my professional interest. In fact, my professional interest is a means to an end. For most yeah. people, it is, right? So why do we then decide to make that the label, the thing that brands us, right? Why can't it be why can't it be our quirks, right? Because our quirks makes us more unique than our professional yes. aspirations, right? Um, yeah. and 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 I mean, people are quirky. Like I look at humans, I, I, I observe humans a lot of the time. I'm like, why don't they lean in into the thing that makes them, you know? But nobody yeah. does that. Everybody is, everybody is putting on airs for the next person because they intend to, they tend to be branded some, some way because that gives them opportunity yeah. on the next round. Yeah. So what yeah. I have done very early in my career was arrive at a personal, professional confidence, right? Um, my, my measure of self-worth is a function of the things I have done and the things I can do such that I can now relax knowing that, you know what, you cannot challenge what I am fundamentally, right? I am one, I am not a charlatan. I am, yeah. I am, I am not, a, I do not, I try not to, to present myself as more than what I am. Anything I can say, I can back up. And that gives me like, it gives me the, the presence of mind to be, to be, um, what's the word? To be a little bit, you know, to have a little fun. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, like, I can laugh with you and joke with you all day, but if we get down to business, you know, yes. I, can, I can hold my own. And I mean, like, if you, if you live like that, they say, I don't, I don't know if it's a better way to live, but for me, it is a, it's a rather easier way to live, you know? And, yeah. and, and so I choose this. And yeah, yeah. like, yeah, I recommend. I think, five, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's a freer way to live, you know? Because there's no like there's no external pressure like you don't because if there's any pressure it is on the it's on whoever whoever puts it but it's not on you you just, you just like I said you're just having a nice you're just doing your thing you know so I, I really I see that and I, I admire it a lot you know and I'm always laughing about it because I could see you like you just you could just retweet something I just say something ridiculously funny and I just be laughing. Like, yeah. <laughs> Like now, nah, this, this guy is also, also funny, shit. and it's so cool, you know. Anyways, um, and there was I, I, when you uh, accepted my invite here, I had to yeah. like go back to like read about like a lot of things you've done, so that I like have I'll have context and like proper questions and stuff. So, um, yeah. I got to listen to like there was a call you did like twenty sixteen or so, and yeah. startup brand something there, yeah. and you yeah. said something about because you said charlatan just like this answer you gave, and you just reminded yeah. me about something you said where yeah. you said places you work you always like working with a strong CEO and that was quite interesting because you said you, you, I, I don't know if I wrote down the word but you said let me paraphrase now you said the person whoever was working in the places like a an extension of the weakness of the CEO or something like that you know so yes. I, I want I would like to just like shed light on that like how did you arrive at 
you deciding that if the steel is not a strong, or does not have a strong personality, or does not have a strong hold on whatever it is they're doing, you would not really like gravitate towards that. Like, how did that, how did that become a thing for you? Okay, so um, let me let me let me just um, redefine what I mean by just just for context by okay. strong, right? Um, first of all, I have a very strong personality. Um, it, it means that I am opinionated and I I can be quite stubborn about the things that I need to happen, right? Yeah. And yeah. that I have someone who is similarly um, um, strongly opinionated and somebody who is that you know that um, persistent and consistent in the way they do things. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a taste thing as opposed to a broad recommendation for everyone. Okay. Maybe maybe in the podcast I kind of made it a broad recommendation, but I, I just want to like okay. I, I just because sometimes I just speak, I speak I speak out of turn, so I just want to um, mm-hmm. modify modify that thing that I said. Yeah, um, I I have worked by design and sometimes and mostly by accident with with very strongly uh, with very strong CEO that put their foot down and say this is the direction of the company. Now, the reason why I like that is that many times, especially when it comes to startups, everything is up for, for interpretation. You know, it's very shapeless and amorphous. And if you're, not, if you're not somebody who is, like, convinced and has the conviction, right, the will to execute within a specifically narrow set of, um, of um, qualities and goals and objectives, you can find yourself in a, in a shithole. Right, you can find yourself in a dumpster fire of a company simply because the the key the key men or the key people are really 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 strong willed. Okay, it annoys me on a, on an irrational level. Like it's kind of thing where if I found myself working for someone who who cannot put their, their foot down, who cannot say this is what needs to be done, who cannot spend the time to align the troops, it. it it upsets me violently. And I mean that like literally, like I do get almost upset by that kind of setup. So I like to know that I do not have to, you know, um, um, step in for the CEO. Because that, that's what then begins to happen if the CEO is not that strong will. I find myself stepping in. I'm basically, I'm basically like yeah. taking more, more charge of the company where I would rather just be, um, you know, a contributing member as opposed to being the member. Um, okay. So yeah, those things are my personal preferences. Okay, I I, I think that um, sometimes the word "strong CEO" then gets, you know, it gets um, it gets merged with asshole. So <laughs> for many, people, yeah. So for many people, they can't they can't they can't stand that, and I and I understand, but I can, you know, um, and so you know, it's 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 my personal preference. I would not recommend for everyone. Okay. Yeah, I'm a little, I'm a lot wiser now. <laughs> Anyways, um, so two questions from that, um, from what you just said. Um, so does that yeah. does that mean if I I don't know, I can let, I can deduce that you probably enjoy being like a bit part of like a larger um, setup as opposed to being like oh I'm star player like start me trying to use like football metaphors now. You yeah. rather be like a, a member of a team where I know my role and I'm doing my thing. Like this is my this is my role. In the event that sometimes I could like switch and switch to another role and make things happen. But I'd rather be on my lane than just being like a huge star player. Is that, is that what you're like? Are you like trying to say that? So 
So that dichotomy doesn't really exist in, in the real world. I hear it a lot. Yeah. Be a big fish in a small pond or a small fish in a big pond. But it doesn't really exist because, because remember, organizational structures they exist in fractals. So for example, you might have like the whole company, in which case mm -hmm. you're the player, you're like C-suite, right? Mm -hmm. But then again, you can condense that into departments and then you can be a big player in the department, right? And then you can condense yeah. that into projects and you can be a big player on a particular project while you're not a big player on the team. So basically like that distinction doesn't quite exist. It exists externally because people look at a company and think of it in terms of the company, right? And you don't, yeah. but internally, you could be a bigger player than anybody realizes, right? So yeah. to speak to that, um, I tend to be a big player in companies I work with, right? But also it's a function of the company's culture, right? I have been a small, a very small, insignificant player in, in companies where, where I was just generally not um, a good fit. An okay. example is I once worked in a company where, where the general um, um, behavioral pattern was extroverted, right? And mm -hmm. there, was not a lot of, there was not a lot of value in being a, a deep critical thinker, right? Okay. And because of that, I became a really, really insignificant player because that's, that's all I bring to the table, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Deep thinking and, you know, follow through, right? But at that particular point, the, the core skill was basically just do the thing that you have been asked to do. And that's a handicap I have. I just don't do the thing I was asked to do. My, my core role is to do the thing that needs to be done, right? Yeah. So, so, you know, in that, in that regard, right, I was a small player and I did not mind because I knew that there was no, there was no way I was going to suddenly change, you know, change and become that kind of person. But in places that align with my core values and my core beliefs and my behavioral patterns, I instantly become a key player and, and I have no regrets about that. So, yeah. so, yeah, like my answer would be, I generally, I'm generally, I'm like introverted. I mostly prefer to work on the thing that I have to do as opposed to like hugging the spotlight. But sometimes you, you do get the spotlight because of the thing that you're working on. Yeah. And, and I, cannot, I cannot make the distinction between those two things. I can't say I prefer to be this and that because they, oh, okay. they kind of intermingle, you know, so yeah. yeah. So um, how did you come to this like level of awareness like itself? Because for me, it's something that I have been struggling with for, for years now because I started my life very stressed when I was like, when I was like 17, 18. And I seriously, I mean, I started becoming aware that, okay, I would need to know how to do something. I've always been that kid that was just coasting through, in the, like, like being a teenager, I just coasted through school, being great at football. And at 17, 18, I realized that, oh, my friends were already doing different things. So, okay, what do I want to do? So I've gone from, oh, you write, oh, you know how to write, you know how to do this, you know how to do this, you passion. I've gone through different things to where I am. And it's been yeah. really up and down. And most of it has really affected my confidence because I'm kind of like a late bloomer now. I've not even bloomed yet, but I'm as if I had like five years back when, like when my mates were, when my peers rather were already 10 toes down about what they wanted to do. I was yeah. still figuring things out. And by figuring it out, like I legit was in companies because you said something about being in companies that are not a fit for you. And that just reminded me because I've worked yeah. in companies where I could do stuff there, but I knew that this was not what I wanted to do. But I had yeah. to do it because I had to survive and all that. And it has it affected my confidence on like intense levels in terms of even now that I've gradually found like a niche and I'm like working on myself, I have to constantly constantly battle this um sense of am I 
Let me just ask you, like, how have you been able to come to a sense of being aware that oh, this is who I am, this is what I'm capable of, this is what I can do, and how have you been able to build on that? Okay, that that's a very, very good question. Um, yeah. It's a question I have thought about for a while. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I recently told my friends, I was like, if you've been in companies long enough and you get performance reviews, you can you can distill every performance review you get into two core components, internal versus outward-facing components, right? So, for example, if they say so-and-so person is not punctual, right? That's a, that's a thing. It means that you do not you do not pay, pay, pay attention to time for whatever reason, right? And like an outward-facing value is that he's not um, he does not collaborate with teams, right? Or mm-hmm. Um, he he doesn't respond at, on time to messages, right? Um, one, it's it's pretty arbitrary, by the way. But when you break those two things down into internal versus outside, external um, and factors, it allows you to think of yourself impersonally, right? So one thing that that I would say was like a very crucial point for me was that. I grew up knowing that there were a number of things I was really, really good at. Okay. Like better than the average person at, right? And I knew those things, right? And then there were things that I knew I was really, really terrible at, like worse right. than the average person at, right? <laughs> and, and I allowed those things bother me, right? Um, and maybe because I had like very critical parents, because my parents were super critical people. Okay. So they kind of constantly showed the spotlight on my weaknesses. And so I internalized those weaknesses. And so when I set out into the world, I kept on looking for people who would not tolerate those weaknesses in me, right? And it was, it was stressful and painful, right? I had like, I had, like moments where, where I was so, so like demoralized by my behaviors and everything. But I kept on trying to make sure that I aligned people who, who, will, who will suppress my weaknesses or basically... Okay improve on my weaknesses right i took on roles where my weakness would sabotage me because i knew that i would not allow myself to be sabotaged okay and 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 that has helped me by and by by and large it's it is not ideal because i really i really suffered for it but overall i'm a much better person as a result of it now more to more to what you're saying is that whenever you you find yourself trying to Mm self-improve right you are setting yourself up for failure because the reason you can't improve or you haven't improved is you. So if you make yourself the goal setter for improvement, you are using you are using an already flawed model. It's like the person who cannot do the thing is the person telling the person to do the thing. To do the thing. <laughs> yeah, because it's you telling you. You, yeah. know, you do not you don't have that attribute within you to do the thing. And you have to accept it, admit it, and be humble, right? Mm-hmm. Understand that you are the, the average of every single person you interact with means that you just have to improve the number of people, the kinds of people you interact with. And sometimes you, you know that so-and-so person is a model in this particular aspect. Mm-hmm. And you might you then allow yourself to learn some things from people. So, for example, I wasn't, very, I wasn't always a critical thinker, right? Actually, it wasn't, and 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 then I made friends with critical thinkers, right? And now I am, right? Um, I wasn't always somebody who took pride in his work. I used to do a lot. I used to do a lot of um, a lot of things just to make money, you know. That's the end goal. It wasn't like I want to take pride in my work, 
when I started working with people who who thought in terms of portfolios, you know, in terms of having key projects and all of that. And that kind of rubbed up for me. And so you have mm-hmm. to decide like who do I want to be and who are the closest approximations to these people within my like within my field of view, people I can easily access and befriend yeah. befriend them. And by the way, like this is this is a sticky point because I see people who say I want to befriend somebody and then they go do some like um, all these networking things that I really don't like. I know my work, but I, it really is really it's really icky for me. But if you really want to be in the field of view and the same interaction circle as these people, then you just have to make behavioral modifications to yourself. And suddenly you find yourself like just generally like pick up an interest in these things. And suddenly you're talking with people who are similarly like this. And suddenly you are in a whole new in a whole new relationship bracket, right? Yeah. yeah. And that up on you. Now the problem with this is that it's not something that is tangible. It's not something that you're going to be like, okay, these are the to-dos to be done. Mm-hmm. Not, never but as soon as you improve the quality of interactions you have, as soon as you can identify your weaknesses and basically like deliberately try to, you know, augment them. You're not trying to become great. You're trying to make sure that your weaknesses are not crippling. That's what you're trying to do. Yeah. Make sure your weaknesses are not crippling. Own your weaknesses. Beyond the point, see, the maximum you need to do is make sure your weaknesses do not cripple you. After that, forget your weakness and, f- and focus on your strengths. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. In a nutshell. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I mean, two things, because it alludes to like a tweet you, I think, because I'm always like checking out your tweet, don't mind me. It says, there was yeah. somebody that tweeted something that give, tell me some, some bad advice for somebody or something. They retweeted that, spend your time improving on your weaknesses. So that was, yeah. I found that, I found that really funny, but that, that makes sense. Yeah. Because it's bad advice. Yeah, because <laughs> if you if you spend your time improving your weaknesses, the person for whom it's not a weakness will always be better than you. It's, yeah. It comes around to them to be strong in those directions. But yeah. if you if if for example you are like seventy percent great at something, and then you mm-hmm. took all the energy you're spending modifying your weaknesses and just put it there, you get to ninety percent, and that makes you like really 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 dangerous. And so you should do you should do more. You should basically you should do whatever it you spend the least amount of energy to get the highest amount of returns. That's yeah. how that works. And so you should, you should do a lot more of that. Well, yeah, but I think, don't, don't you think that, um, like in the Nigerian space, for example, like being a Nigerian kid, yeah, the young yeah. Nigerian, it's difficult, to, at least for me, I won't generalize now. Yeah. Because I've, I think I've asked a couple of people this question. It's difficult to find a balance. Or maybe it's my laziness talking or me not, I've not exerted myself enough. Because, for example, I'm currently like an illustrator and I'm learning motion graphics, for example, yeah. And yeah. there are spaces I want to get into. But finding the balance between, okay, I'm becoming better at this, I'm improving on this, and surviving in terms of I don't want to be hungry, I don't want to be broke. But finding that balance, don't you think it's the friction between those two? Don't you think it sometimes makes it difficult for you to even spend time doing what needs to be done as opposed to doing what you can do to just survive on the day to day? Like, how is there like a cop out? Is there like a I don't know, is it a formula or something that it's a better route? Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't describe myself as the best person to answer this. Yeah, because, of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, because I have been here before, mm-hmm. the, entire, the entire reason I'm a digital marketer is because, is because of that, right? So the kind, of, the kind of creative that I want to be is one that is not, that wasn't short-term sustainable. And I needed short-term sustenance, and it was much quicker for me to be a digital marketer. Okay. But but now five years have elapsed, and I'm still a digital marketer, right? Yeah. And and I am not. I mean, 
I'm, I'm, I'm a decent creative, but I'm not as great a creative as I could have been if I just decided to be a creative. And if I had done five years a creative, I would be like right now able to earn a living from being a creative. Do you understand yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so those trade-offs that you make, uh, they, are, they are expensive, right? Um, so if you think in terms of, you know, I want to be short-term, short-term, I need, I need to, to, to sustain myself. Then basically you, you, you do the thing that is easiest to earn you money now, right? And it's a function of your, your social, um, social cultural setup, the way yeah. the business world or the, or the employee markets, um, employer markets where you are is set up, which mm-hmm. makes it easier to earn a living doing something that is already a high value skill. Yeah. Um, but if you have the presence of mind and you have the determination and the resources, then you probably want to run those two things asynchronously, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, this is, a, this is a thing that is going to prevent me from being hungry, but this is the thing I want to do long-term, right? Um, I wrote an article called um, Good Job, Bad Job, Medium Job, and I kind of specified that if you really want to do the thing that you want to do, you should always pick medium job. Now, what is, what is the good job? The good job is the thing that will pay you a lot, but mm-hmm. it's very far away from the field. It's very, very far away. I'm oh, sorry. The good job is a thing that you want to do, but right now cannot sustain you. Yeah. Right? You, you, there's no market for it. They don't pay a lot of it. It's a, it's a labor of love at this particular point. And so that's the good job. The bad job is the thing that you really do not like to do, but you can do, but will pay you a lot of money. Right? Yeah. Those two things are usually night and day. Right? So it's like, I want to be a writer, mm-hmm. but also, or instead, I have to be a... a um, an SEO guy for yeah. a company, right? And, oh, sorry. And somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the middle exists something where there's a combination of both things. It pays you relatively well, but it's also adjacent to your passion, right? That's, yeah. typically, that's typically where you want to sit if you're that person who cares about his passion. Yeah. So, that, so while you are doing the job, you kind of have like incidental upgrades in your knowledge and it makes it easy for you to enter into the into the field that you want to enter at, right? So yeah. that that's the only recommendation I can give. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So I, I think if you go back to Uniben, like I, I think you 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 went to Uniben, right? Yes, I did. Did you grow up in Benin or you grew up outside Benin? Then you were schooled in Uniben. Um, I was born in Lagos. I spent okay. a few years in Benin when as a kid, but I spent most of my time in Lagos, and then okay. I went to Uniben. Okay, how yeah. was that? How was that experience like? Because like, I'm, I'm full, full, full bred Benin boy, so I would like to hear like how <laughs> high it was for you. So one of the one of the most surprising things for me in Uniben was that I expected more people to speak the language. Okay, but most people didn't. So yeah. I was I was thinking I was going to be able to learn the Benin language, but yeah. I never could because people were not speaking the language. Um. But I really liked Uniben. It's a, it's the people are fundamentally hilarious. Yeah. Um, fundamentally hilarious people, um, and and I think that for the first time in my life, since I was a kid, that was the very first time that I could be social. You know. Okay. And I guess it's not native to Uniben. Like it could have been anywhere else. But I found I found easy acceptance in Uniben than I've ever found anywhere else. Right, so like I made friends on my very first day in school, and I kept on making friends until the very last day in school, where, where 
um, wasn't there wasn't there wasn't like a class system because I don't do well in classes like when you have like social social stratification yeah that did not happen me it it was it was that oh this Justin guy is smart yeah. so people wanted with smart kids mm-hmm. people wanted free. it was like a monthly group within within my faculty and so that was yeah. great I can't speak much to anything else but that's that's what I remember from my experience yeah did you did you like did you go out outside like main gate like you go to like town a lot like were there like favorite places you like to go to or places that you so, can remember yeah I, I i like going to sapele because okay. that's where the the national library is if i remember yeah. yeah i spent i spent a lot of time because i came to i came to benin too early okay like way before, way before like um the whole orientation thing started or whatever it is called. I don't remember now. Yeah. Before, yeah, before that started, I came I came about two or three weeks too early. And so I spent most of my time in the library. That was one of my very favorite places. I think that was my only favorite place, right? Uh, I I lived in Ewotugu yeah. with my uncle. Ewotugu is like, like a village inside Benin. It's very, okay. very, very weird. Like once you take mm-hmm. the buses, yeah, yeah, you, will feel, you will feel all the streets in your ass bone. So yeah, um, I, I mean, I, I did visit Aquapava. I also visited. Um, I also visited. Okay. Obviously, visited Ring Road. Um, visited Ekenwan Campus yeah. once. Yeah. Um, I did. Yeah, I did go around Benin. Okay. Um, yeah, like it was. It was fun. It was great. Did you? Did you? Did you go to? Because uh, I have a funny story ah, yes. about Ekosudi. Uh, did you, yeah, did like you I, I, had, I had a couple run-ins with the cultists today. Yeah. Yo, that's really what I want to talk about because I, I didn't school in Univen because the real reason is because I was afraid of like I had, I've heard best stories about cultists yeah. and ecosystem and everything. So it was just fear that made me go to a career. Yeah. Like I did not just want to Allah. Because growing up you've heard like stories like plenty things are like nah I'm not so I really wanted to hear about that. But yeah, it's it's really yeah. cool that the experience being that way. Did you know how's how's your pigeon like? So I think my pigeon is great because most pigeon. people disagree with me. That's very I can tell like tell my pigeon is great. Like, the best pigeon you've ever heard in your life. Well, you don't, you're speaking like maybe with people that I are speak it anywhere. Speak it Most anywhere. people say, Oh my god, and they say, What was that? and I'm like, It's pigeon. Oh, really? So, yeah, <laughs> maybe I mean, I tweet in pigeon every time, obviously. So, I, mean, I think I can't speak pigeon, yeah, of course, of course. I do speak it. It's, it's my favorite, yeah, speak. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I enjoy speaking pigeon a lot because I, I like to say it's my second language because I can't speak in it. And you already you already put it why it's difficult because yeah, in Benin it's, it's not like in Europe. The language so weird. They communicate. Yeah, yeah. Like my parents, my dad was my parents legit just said no native language in the house. You have yeah. to because my mom is yeah. a teacher. My dad was an editor and all that. Yeah. So English was just like the language. It's it's a thing of pride that your child can speak yeah. good English in Benin. They don't even care about. You learning the native language as opposed to if you're in the Yoruba state. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you know what? You're right because that's exactly the philosophy that led to me being unable to speak my language. Um, my 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 father was. Yeah. He said, his his core argument was, 
if the firstborn can speak good English, then we don't need to bother about the the language mm -hmm. of the other ones. And so I was I was yeah. basically indoctrinated in English, and now I, I can't speak my language, and that's tra that's tragic, you know. Am I very sad? As of that, I joke about that. Yeah, and if you have like two Edo parents, like what's your excuse? Because they speak the language, they speak it to each other, but you don't understand. Yeah, of course. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I think it was for me, I think it was the insecurity of my dad because my dad is not very good at speaking English. Right. Yeah? He's not very good at it. My mom can't. So he, the typical parent that, because he can speak Isha, you know, he can speak Igbo, Hausa, French, but he can't speak, he's not very good at Isha. So he did not want it to be like a house where the mother is speaking the language of the kids and he's lost. So it was just based off of that, that he said, nah, let's not do that here. So I'm only saying that, bro, the reason why. You know, but anyways, that's happened now. Me picking up language is very difficult now because I don't know, maybe my brain, I don't know if it's like, it's really, yeah. it's really like a lot of work for me to pick up new language. So pigeon is how I identify low-key, actually in Lagos, I like to move with fast steps, like pigeon is Pigeon is efficient and it's also hilarious. And yeah, those are yeah. the two things I look for. Those are the two things I look look yeah, for in my in my in my favorite means of communication. Yeah. So yeah. Is that is very and very, very funny people there. Um do you still do you still learn French? Yes, learn French? although I haven't learned French in a couple of weeks now. Uh, I got a okay. So how how is this? I, I can't speak French, French at all. Like I also I also don't think I also don't think I intend to. <laughs> I intend to be able to, I intend to be able to write it, okay. but not speak. Because yeah. because um okay. I mean I was I was in a relationship with with a French girl, and 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 so I wanted to be able to write French to her. Beyond that, I don't have a lot of interest in speaking it, oh. because I I'm not very I'm not very good at the glottis thing which is basically like you know pronouncing words properly I, i'm not good at it i i can barely pronounce english words okay. so i don't I, i'm not very confident to eventually yeah, learn yeah. how to pronounce french words so i was very very comfortable like my goal was write it don't f forget speaking it just write it so yeah that was yeah yeah but but do you think you'd have been able to pick it up if you lived in like a french speaking place for for time like maybe like a year two. oh yeah you think yeah definitely able to pick it up fast like that, that, i mean that's why like, that's why like, that's why like, yeah. europa because yeah. i think so yeah the principles that oh yeah because i think yeah because for me i used to use um duolingo yeah i still use it yeah. for like some spanish and german like you said being just been being able to yeah. identify some words is really cool and I, at that time, I thought I would be able to like speak it if I learned it from the app. But I don't know. I came across an article sometime. By the way, there was an argument, like different argument. I think it was like a Reddit thread where they were talking about how apps can really help you pick up spoken. Like it's difficult for an app to help you pick it yeah. up the spoken words. But it's just me just be able to write it and read it. But speaking it, you need more than just daily barrage of new words and whatnot. And, Loki, that just gave me like, oh, okay, bet. Since you can't help me, I I rather just like yeah. relax, you know. So yeah, it's really cool. I can speak French. Anyways, um, I think it will, it will make sense that I will talk okay. about software development real quick. I remember I, I tweeted at you. I don't know if yeah. I said at you. I I commented on something where I was asking you. I 
think it was, I can't remember now why software development, yeah, because reading, I've read, I read some of yeah. the articles from like 2016, 2015, and they were listening to you when you started as a digital marketer, you started like, you did not even know your words, like yeah. HTML and CSS were not like things you knew, so you really started yeah. from zero, you know, so seeing how you you really segued from different from spot to spot like from writing to digital marketing yeah. to illustration and even yeah. some animation then to software development yeah. how like this is a two-part question now like how has that been you know how has the like being a beginner at something and becoming better at it how has that been then um is there a reason you know you said something about it being like the your ticket to a life you wanted. I think that was what you said. Like how, like you, I think you should share light on how software development is like a ticket for you to something that you really aspire to or you want. So these are like the two questions. Like how has it been segueing from career to career yeah. was like field to field and adapting and optimizing then it's been like software development being like a thing for you so far. Yeah. How has um, that been? Yeah. So when you, when you when you learn over and over again to pick up a skill and drop it and pick up another one, you get you get to a point where learning becomes highly utilitarian for you. You know how you you basically intuitively know how to snap to the quickest bits of things to accelerate your learning. And when you do it once or twice, you get faster at learning things. Um, and yeah. and in the case of programming. So I tell people, I'm not adept at programming. I'm probably terrible at it, right? And it doesn't matter because ultimately, programming is a utilitarian exercise. And I can abide, I can understand the principles of anything that requires like you to think of things in terms of utility, right? So I need to know a certain number of things to consider myself a good software engineer. I do not even like to like, I don't even like to like programming. Incidentally, I do, but even if I didn't, I would still be a good programmer eventually. Um, but to answer the question yeah. you asked, um, the, way, the way I see it, right, is that I, I have been thinking about career path, the ceilings that they have, right? So, so some okay. ceilings come with, like, when, you, when, you're working, um, when you're working on a career path, you get to a particular point and then the ceiling is here. And then you have to, for you to basically like increase your income level and increase your responsibility, basically increase your value, yeah. you have to take on an administrative role. That's actually how it happens to a lot of people, right? So they go away from, they go from being technical to being okay. administrative. They do paper pushing, emails, meetings, you know, and that's great, right? I just don't like it, right? And in my current career path, that's exactly where I am at, right? It has it holds no yeah. no true joy for me, right? It's a thing that many people are, are happily embraced, but it's something that I find utterly distasteful. And so because of that, I'm like, you know what? I've got into the ceiling of my career path. The next thing for me is to become a CMO somewhere and, you know, basically like transition to becoming maybe a CEO of a startup sometime, sometime in the future. None of these none of these things spark yeah. joy for me, right? Yeah. And, and 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 software software engineering is so adjacent to what I can do and to the way my brain is wired that I can delay that track for almost an infinite number of um, amount of time while significantly increasing my income level. Right? This is this is this is the entire rationalization yeah. between behind my my decision. 
And now, if you if you if you think about it like that, okay, my my one life goal is to set up a visual slash animation studio, right? And I want to do it. I want to do it on the back of my yeah. own money because I intend to experiment my way through it. Unlike most other studios that have like an established okay. um, playbook, because you know they are like they are like um, offshoots of other studios. I want to build without any established priors, and it's going to mm-hmm. be expensive. It's going to be it's going to be a lot of failures along the line, mm-hmm. and I need to be able to have the 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 resilience, both financially as well as um, technical resilience, to be able to pull it off. And so, even though it looks like what I am being mm-hmm. is a software engineer, what is a creative person? Mm-hmm. And so, if you think about it from that lens, then every single yeah. career decision I've made, from learning to write, from learning to illustrate, from learning to animate, from learning to whatever the case may be, to become a software engineer. All of those things are me reasoning about a series of creative endeavors, right? And spending my time to basically understand what makes each of them tick. I think I've said it one time that every medium needs to be respected and appreciated for its core composition. Yeah. yeah. And so this is this is me basically doing my appreciation. And eventually then I'm going to say, you know what, I have I have learned enough to be to be great at what I'm about to do. Okay. Um, and it's going to happen very soon, very, very much in the near future. Um, I, have, I have been maintaining a log of my thoughts and my doings around these lines. Um, I'm, trying, I'm trying not to announce in advance anything I do. So that's why many things are under wraps. But, but yeah, like being a software engineer is a very key component of everything that I've set out to do in the next couple of years of my life. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that that makes sense. The silly part is like it's very profound, and it, it's it's like for me listening to that is just me like taking note because I'm very aware that every like you said every career has a ceiling, and when you reach a point, it now becomes administrative. That that's a very very profound. Part. Anyways, yes. I, I would like to talk about your hair. Mm. Yeah, like okay. why you know like how did that become like oh bet I want to no longer cut this hair. I want to like. Have looked like how did that happen and how long do you plan to have it like you have like a timeline where you're like here and here <laughs> yeah so so when i used to work in okay because i mean i'm back in tech but there's a mm-hmm. brief interval when i was back in tech uh so my very first the very first half of my time in tech my hair was no was not a problem to anyone because tech people can do whatever it is they like with their hair right mm-hmm. um and my hair was uncombed and always messy and then I, I left tech and I went to work elsewhere where it was untenable. And so I used to get HR sanctions like almost every other day for my hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to tell them, listen, it's difficult for me to comb my hair. Right? And so I started wearing hats. And then the CEO of the company said, you know what you should do? You should just lock it. Just lock it. If you lock your hair, right, mm-hmm. people will no longer ask you questions about your hair. And it, it's actually true, right? Yeah. So people will come back if you don't comb your hair. But if you lock it, they can't say anything anymore. It's like a right? choice. Like, and, like, this guy is, uh, this is, yeah. and so she told me lock it. And, and I did, right? And so, and so now, because my hair is locked, I don't get any questions like, oh my God, why didn't you comb your hair today and everything? And also, me up. Like, I, I'm sure I've bought a lot of time. I'm thinking in hours, not reasoning about my hair anymore. 
because I have two hairstyles. I know one is 4C, and I don't know what the other one, like it's just two patches of hair on two different places, and I have to treat them separately. Otherwise, it's like really, it was it was like a really messy patch of things. Yeah. So so that's the story of my hair. It's it's, it's very functional as opposed to being an aesthetic, aesthetic yeah, choice. It just so happens, it just so happens that it looks good, right? Yeah. Like when I pack it, it I'm really very happy bad. about that. It's really good. But I just yeah, I really just do not want to continue answering questions about why my yeah. hair was on comb, and 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 that's how we got here. As to when I intend to cut my hair, I will cut it when when I start grow- getting bald. <laughs> that's a long time. That's a long time. Maybe we, we don't know that, man. When <laughs> life is set up, anything can happen. <laughs> but it's, it's looking really cool now. Like the longer it's getting now, yeah. There are like a lot of possibilities as to like how you can style it, and it's really like, yeah, it's yeah, I swear to God. yeah, it's really flat. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what are you reading at the moment? Like, is there any, like any stuff that you're reading? Like, books? I don't know. Anything that you're reading at the moment that you're, like you're really like interested in? Like, share. Okay. Um, I'm reading Cryptonomicon, okay. written by Nelson, I think. Um. It's a book. It's a book about. It's a very interesting book, by the way. It's a book about um, about code. Okay. Basically, it's about it's about the Enigma machine that um, um, Professor or Doctor Alan Turing disabled okay. during the World War. I can't remember if it's the first or second World War, and and this story is basically talking about the future. So there's like two two storylines running where you have like a future set of people who are basically like. Deciphering code and obviously the name is in, is in the the title is in the name right it's yeah. cryptonomic right? yeah um, so far the reason why I'm unable to talk very concisely about the plot is that I'm somewhere in the very first half of the book okay. where we have um, Alan Turing having conversations with um, um, with with um, with his friends and they're talking about building the universal machine which is a Turing machine right. The machine that you can Turing completeness, machine that can re- return responses to any given query. Anyway, yeah. that's the very first book I'm reading. Um, I'm trying to read a lot more about um, what's the word? I'm trying to read a lot more about um, philosophy. Philosophy okay. was one of my first loves, but I haven't read philosophy in a very long time. And so, yeah. so I have I, I have a, a collection of books by really nameless authors. But the most interesting thing I'm reading right now today yeah. is a collection of African masks, right? Masks. It was, yes, masks, yeah. It was, it was, it was, um, it was a book by a certain university, I think it was a project where they collected masks from various cultures across Africa. Mm-hmm. And it opens by saying the reason why African masks have closed eyes, and by the way, that's something I never paid attention to. The eyes yeah. are generally closed is because yeah. Because they do not look into this world, they look internally into their own world. Okay. So the spirit, they don't, they don't need their eyes here. Their eyes are elsewhere. So which yeah. is why they, the masks are closed, close to our world, open elsewhere. And it's part of a, it's part of a comic book project that I'm working on, titled Creosote. And and so I can give I can give like a very big, very brief intro into Creosote, right? Okay. Um, I wrote something called the Juju Manifesto one time, which I believe that you should be like a, a a wiki of of all Juju tropes that the world has ever that Africa has ever given. 
and basically try to apply logic to it, rationalize and reason about it. So for example, if you think in terms of, of demon possession, right, which is something that I'm very fascinated by. Maybe somebody is possessed by a demon. The question is why? What's the, what's the need for the demon, right? If you think, if you look into the Abrahamic texts, the demons were what? The first, because it's different between a demon and a fallen angel, right? A demon first inhabitant of the earth, right? They were entities that existed on, on earth before, before mankind came, right? It's why the Bible says the beginning it was formless and void, blah, blah, blah. It was formless and void because when Satan fell from light, like lightning, he destroyed the earth, right? Uh-huh. By the way, this is like some weird um, mythological bullshit. Yeah. The core idea is when the devil fell, he destroyed the earth and spirits were less, let loose. Every single thing that died. So people might say it might be dinosaurs, whatever the case may be. Every single thing that died existed in spirit form still roaming that earth. And then God said, let it be light. And then he created man. Now, those previous entities miss their bodies. So sometimes they do possess man. Yeah. Right? And that's what a demon possession is. I am fascinated. By the way, those things don't need to be true to me. They just seem okay. fascinating. Yes, them. Yeah. And so Creosote is like me exploring all of those things where, you know, there's like a, there's a, con- there's a, there's a, there's, there's a congress between the spirit world and, and the world of man. And to, for you to transverse those two planes, you have to put on your spirit mask, which is why I'm doing all of these studies into African mask and all that. So yeah, can, so I, that- can I guess that maybe there could be like a transformation thing where I want to transform, they just like close their eyes. They're like a part where there's a closing eye thing. Like you close your eyes and you just switch to like a different thing. That, that would be cool, but I like things to be painful. So oh, okay. <laughs> they will they will have to create the mask, and the mask okay. has to align with, with whatever spirits that they that they are that their families align with. You know, all families like like descend from specific spirits, right? It's why yeah. like in in you might have like people worshiping a specific water deity, and so you need to wear a mask that is affiliated with the water deity, and you have to craft that mask in in like pixel perfect rendition otherwise it will not work i have to do all the incantation required to activate the mask there's a number of things that have to happen so it's not like anybody can just become one with the mask yes yeah. i'm trying to make it i'm trying to make it as tedious as possible it's, one, it's okay. going to be my, my most tedious yeah. project okay um, yes so i think we've talked for a long time now i'm just trying to round up now and before that there's some, yeah. I, i've gone through a lot for baranda yeah like your yeah. website and like a lot of your comics and there were some things you said that I took notes of that I'm even going to use as like my illustration the, the more I tweak my style you said like you, you started creating art that, that mocked the Nigerian condition yeah and yeah. you you link into the story more than the technique like I'm paraphrasing how you said it like you were more concerned yeah. about what you're trying to say as opposed yeah. to what it looked like so you're like yeah. you're creating bad drawings that just resonate with people, and that somehow just I, I really like that because I have been like it's been a it has been a struggle for me because learning how to illustrate then finding a way to tell the stories and tell or even do stuff for clients has been quite the journey for me. There's an obstacle I'm trying to so every day I'm always trying to listen to you say that was really helpful. I took this and I went there, and I could see yeah. that in interest because the form was not the thing we were really focusing on. It was really like what you're trying to say. And yeah. that's, I just 
just for that as well. Yeah. Anyways, and finally, like, what are you listening to? Like music. Let's talk about music real quick. Okay. So I'm, yeah, I'm listening to to Nars Barkley, per usual. Really okay. love Silo Green. I don't know the other person. I know there are two guys. Silo okay. Green, one else. Um, Nars Barkley. Um, that genre of music. I think it's called psychedelic pop. Okay. I really like it. Um, I I obviously like James Blake. Okay. Uh, I'm listening to MI as always. Of course. Uh, I'm listening to listening to Tone of the Conversation, which I listened to like when it came out earlier this year or late last year, I remember. But uh, I'm re-listening to it and, and I'm finding some really interesting, interesting like songs. It's unfortunate that it did not get the airplay that it deserves. It's a really it's a really good like it's a really good project. Is it um, really that it did with like the the one is he spoke about his mental health. I can't remember the title now, but yeah, yeah, that that is uh, that is self worth, self worth something something. Study a study of self worth. Yeah, is it that right. one you're talking about now? No, no, not that one. Oh, this one was this one was a joint project between him and um. Thank you. And, um yeah, I think oh. it took four days for them to. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I have that album, but I've not spent a lot of time listening to it. Yeah, you should you should listen to you should listen to Braveheart, and Jesus said, okay. two of my very favorite songs on that track. Yeah, okay. and um, Braveheart, Jesus said, and um, there's one last one that's very very great. Anyway, yeah, a class act, a class act, Braveheart and Jesus said, um, yeah, but beyond that, you? okay, beyond that, most of what I listen to. Usually, like show tunes, so like the music you hear on shows. Okay. I, okay. I, I randomly pick them up from whenever I watch shows. Like what I really shows? think the music from from random shows or yeah. Umbrella Academy, for example, really great songs. Uh, you know, it's, it's uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much really so I'm, 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 I'm hoop now, yeah. You listen to like trap music a lot, like Young Travis Scott, you listen to any of them? Um, not really. I try, but I never. I, I listen, see, for example, I listen to that one he did with Drake. Okay. Something mode. Um, something it, which one? Who? Travis Scott. Like Travis Scott and. Um, oh, I remember now. I know the song you're talking about. Sicko mode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I did not like it. Like yeah. I like Drake's, I like Drake's parts, but beyond that, I did not like the song. Okay. Um, so, so by the way, I know that I've entered what they call music fatigue. So it's like once you get to a specific age, you can no longer appreciate relatively new genres. So I know that's that what happens. Is that old age? Is that old age you're talking about? <laughs> Precisely, <laughs> because even psychedelic pop is actually like some really old school type vibes. Sometimes oh, I listen okay. to really old. And I'm like, why do I like it now? I'm getting old. That's what they. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is to my grandfather's music. Even my yeah. grandfather's music. Yeah. yeah. How about how about UK drill like grime, like grime music? Do you have you ever like taken? Yeah, I really, really, I really, really love grime. Um, I don't listen to, I don't listen to a wide assortment of them, but I really mm-hmm. like Stormzy. Yeah, um, Stormzy, Stormzy's confidence and the fact that he's weirdly Christian fascinates mm-hmm. me. And when he just looks he- like. A bar about God in his thing. I'm like, why? <laughs> Does it compute? It's, 
Yeah, this, because drop, you're, you're, I think that would be fine. Yeah, I really, I, I really like. He doesn't wear jewelry. So this one is black and black. Yeah, it's very. Yeah. Uh, it's a thing for him. Anyways, um, this conversation has been really great, Justin. Thank you very much. I yeah. Like it's it's it was like me talking to you, but I've learned so much. And I definitely will go back and listen. To conversation. Yeah. So thank you. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah. I hope definitely in the future we get to talk about stuff. Yeah, I'm always I'm always here. Hope, hope I was not a groupie too much. I, I really <laughs> try to keep my calm. <laughs> no, so you were, you were right that the first time you met me, I was uncomfortable. Yeah, um, but, I tell. but I have learned to be more comfortable. Uh, this is this is this is the cross I have to bear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. You, were, you did great. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah. So, um, let me ask you to go back to work or whatever it is you've been doing before. Uh, All right, don't worry, man. Take care. And do have a night. Yeah, take care.